This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Canucks win the draws the door. In front of Besser, he scores! Miller on the half boards. Hironic, top of the point. Long shot, he scores! Philip Hironic with a drive from the line. Ties the game for the Canucks with 1-11 left in the third. With instant reaction from the players and coaches. Hughes with room. Top of the point to Miller. Left circle, shoots, tip, they score! Brock Besser! And Vancouver wins it 3-2. Have your say on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Canucks come back to win in overtime. 3-2 over the Boston Bruins. Great determination, great resiliency in the third. Storming back against one of the toughest teams to come back against in the Boston Bruins. Down two goals in the third. They come back and take over and win it in overtime. What a thriller here at Rogers Arena as the Canucks snap a four-game winning streak, losing streak. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show presented by the number five orange on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar about to bring in Brett Festerling into the conversation. And as always, get your thoughts in to our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. You can also grab a phone line, 604-280-0650 or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. And Brett... I mean, what else do you say about the Canucks and the way they came back? And for about 40 minutes, they were in it, but maybe not getting to net enough, maybe losing the tough areas a bit. The Boston Bruins just being a little better in the tough areas. In the third, as the third went on, they got stronger and stronger and really took over this game, and I was really impressed with how they came back. Yeah, it didn't waver, really. They just kind of kept yeah. with it. And you're right, I think you saw more shots go to the net. There was a couple misses. They probably need to put more on on actual Swayman. But you saw more guys getting there. You saw Lindholm in front, Garland in front, those guys driving. So to be able to stick with it and then, you know, see that success and those goals come in, it was huge for them. Yeah, that's the thing for me. It, it, it's th- th- that comeback, but also that they got stronger throughout the course of the game. You can understand it's a little sloppiness from both teams. They've been playing a lot of games here recently, post-All-Star break. And in the first, it's like, yeah, some things weren't very tight, but – the second was better. I thought they could have been better on the goals, but nevertheless, the third period, they were flawless. And Boston invited some of it, obviously, yeah. with some of the pressure. But if, if the opponent's going to do that, you got to go take advantage. And, you know, the thing we were talking about in the second intermission, Sad, is some of those plays they could have been a bit sharper on. Yeah. For me, it's like you're playing the Boston Bruins, right? You, you want to be one of the best teams. You have to go take victory. And that, to me, is what that third period signifies. They went and took it. And shout out to them because that was a phenomenal way to end the game. What did you, yeah, just in terms of, like, how, how they were able to kind of just take over as the game went on. That was really what I was impressed by. You could see in certain moments where it looked like the Bruins just had complete control, but you have to keep going at it. And it's not easy, right? Like you have to be willing to sacrifice and get to the net, and they really made life difficult for Swayman as that period went on. Yeah, I think that natural progression when you're down is you're going to free up a bit because you got nothing to lose. That other yeah. team's going to tighten up, not take less risk. So you, you naturally know you're going to get that opportunity. You just don't really know when. And then obviously when it opened up for Vancouver and you saw the momentum start to switch there, Vancouver really stepped on the gas. That's right. what I liked is that you could see them say, okay, 
It's starting to come here. Keep going, keep going. And that's when you saw more shots, more efforts, some physicality. So, yeah, that was really encouraging that they dug into it later, even when they saw some momentum. Sat said to me, if they get one, they'll get three. And sure enough, they did get that first one. We don't spend a lot of time talking about the importance of face-offs, right? Traditionally, it's, it's more for us, it's, it's always been about situationally. Hey, can you win the pivotal ones, right? Well, two goals. Miller wins a big one, and Lindholm, who had been struggling in the draw, ends up at about uh, 41%, but he won a big one. He, yep. he wins the one that sets up the winning goal as well. But take us through the Besser goal, because he just slipped between two guys, and the two yeah. guys on his side go out to the point. Yeah. Just, just talk us through that. Well, he's the right wing, so he takes off directly through the faceoff, right, right to his to his offside or, offside, off, or one-timer mm -hmm. side. But if you're the D-man, think about the D-man that needs to protect him. You're not going to follow him all the way. You're going to take him halfway, and then your immediate thought, or that's how the system's built, is stop. Who's filling his hole? Yeah. Somebody's got to be coming here. So then as soon as they do that, Besser's open, right? Yeah. So it, it, that's a very hard pass yeah. from Zadorov to get through there. There is bodies there, but it's huge because that face-off's clean, gives you that extra time, it gives you that smooth, and then by the time – Boston can react. It's in the back of the net. I think it was Forbert who had to get all the way to Besser. And it just looked like he was – there was no way he was going to get close to Brock. And it was just just an interesting way of how he kind of feathered through that group and then was there for the pass from, from Zadorov. Well, and also a sequence where as the game went on, they started being a bit more decisive. Like Besser gets it and shoots it right away. Yeah. For the first 40 minutes, there were so many times they had a shot. They waited a little extra. They're, they're trying to open another lane up. And it's like, just, just get the puck on goal well, already. Zadorov too, just – Puck there and puck, puck off, off, right? And you start, you see that switch, and all of a sudden, how much duress that puts the Boston Bruins in? Because now you get more shots on goal, you get more rebound opportunities, you're crashing the net more, and that's how you get that team out of position. And the Bruins are never out of position, but at some point, the bounces, if you get shots on goal, they will eventually stretch out. How much faster does that game feel yeah. when you start playing like that? Right, mm -hmm. that decisiveness just like gets everybody going north and getting going, pucks getting to the net, and it just feels like the pace picks up, and then. The, Boston just has to scatter and yeah. try to cover it. So I think it just put them on their heels a bit and allowed Vancouver to be more, uh, you know, straight north there. I, I wanted to ask you about that too because, you know, we've heard you talk so many times about guys dusting the puck off and what happens when, when, the, when the defense can reassemble basically. Mm -hmm. And there were moments in that second period, I thought Myers in particular, like he just handled the puck like a quarterback patting the ball, rotates it, but, but nobody could get through to the other side because when you wait so long, Imagine you're not repositioning yourself to where the puck is. Yeah. So if the puck moves, you're constantly rescanning and things change behind you. Yeah, exactly. You're having to reset. It's split seconds that mm -hmm. just allows you to get in the lane or read the play or whatever. And that actually shows how good Besser is yeah. at that too because he actually gets that on his backhand from yeah. Zadorov, pulls it forehand. Backhand, forehand, He's yeah. He's so good at that, and they practice that, right? Like those shooters like that, you'll spend hours yeah. after practice just feeding, okay, feed the backhand Just picking out, pucks backhand. Back, back forward, back yeah. forward, back forward, and you'll just do 100 pucks like that every single day, and you just get good at that release. So, um, yeah, I really like shots going to the net and bodies going to the net tonight. Well, well fantastic stuff from Brock Besser. He gets the goal to get the Canucks back in the game and also the game winner in overtime on the power play. And, and the guy in the middle of the game winner, J.T. Miller, goes downhill, attacks downhill, and, and hits Brock, who does a great job to redirecting that puck in. But I thought JT was skating miles again. I mean, over this past, you know, five-game stretch now, I thought he was the Canucks' best player in Seattle. I thought he was the Canucks' best player again, despite yeah. not many of the guys having it. But tonight, it seemed like he was doing everything he could to will his team back into it. Yeah, I think after the second, I don't know what the final is, he had eight, eight hits after yeah. the second period, right? And when, when he's playing like that, he's a force mm -hmm. out there. I love it. He's a power forward, and you can tell that he wants to win, and he wants it. So uh, – 
I love watching him when he's like this. I like the power play when he hits. When he gets that going downhill, yeah. I just see him so much more dynamic. Yeah. I like that. And then, obviously, Besser, that, like, he knows that spot's coming and Miller's firing it. That play, the, that power play goal to win the game, him back in that spot, it just felt like a sitcom when they had that, like, the catchphrase. You're like, all right. <laughs> comfort food yeah, yeah, yeah and there yeah. it is like we yeah, see this right. it, it, it's yeah. Com yeah it's very comforting yes. yeah it's like something familiar you know you're like hey this is nice it's like uncle phil throwing jazzy jam out the house <laughs> it's like all right this is why we love this and, and there it is it's, it's just like they score right off it now it helps that it's four on three obviously yeah and you can't play that one of the things talk was was speaking about this was it today and yesterday about getting jt back on that place well he said the way the diamond formation is well you only have three penalty kills. You can't play the diamond, so all of a sudden it opens up space for you, right? Yeah, absolutely. And then they called the they, – Boston called the timeout to go over the rotation, which is good. But then usually every time that four and three, I, my immediate thought as a defender is okay, they're just going to run plays now. Yeah. They're, they're going to talk about what, play, what the first three plays they're going to progress through, and then we're going to be hooped, which, I mean, there you go. That was automatic. Yeah, it really was. And, and, and I thought – one guy who's getting a lot of love on the text inbox, 650-650, is Nikita Zadorov. This yeah. one here says Zadorov was skating miles tonight. Uh, somebody else texted in. A bunch of other ones. Zadorov's best, Zadorov's best game as a Vancouver Canuck. What a monster game uh, by Nikita Zadorov. And there's a lot of those thoughts coming in. And I thought he was very – it was a very toolsy night from him, using his size, using his speed, using his stick handling and, and puck handling ability. There were a lot of moments where he himself was kind of the one-man breakout at times. He put pressure on the uh, opposing players as well getting to pucks at times defensively position wise you can still look at it and say you can be a bit cleaner but he should play to his strengths and this was a game where he really played to his strengths as a defenseman yeah he his first thought was go north yeah That's what we talk, right? he, mm -hmm. he, you're right he probably had six five or six rushes where he's the one entering the zone yeah. going around the net dishing it so he played really well that my favorite thing he did tonight and it was it was in my mind it was like this guy's gonna play good good have a good game he hit Pasternak maybe the second shift of the game, really, really solid right in the chest. That put that hurt Pasternak. I could tell he was yeah. feeling it, maybe winded. And that was like, okay, yeah. there's some value. He's feeling it. He's in the body. He's going to be great tonight. Well, drew a penalty as well. Took that high stick from Witherspoon in front of the net as well. So, I mean, he, he got had him a, off the PK. Yeah, so he had a really productive night for the Canucks. Um, yeah, just on the defense too, um, Hronik. I You know, that play that he has in the – the first goal, there's some conversation, like, should he jump up for that? Like, he gets to the puck first. It's just bad luck because it goes off Lafferty's stick and then it sits there for uh, for Brazo. Is that, like, the right play? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't mind those guys being aggressive and going forward, yeah. right? Like, as long as the forwards are coming back. And that's – it's it's a weird way. It sits there, Brazo's able to get it with speed, and then he kind of slides it around Hughes, and that actually leads to Hronik being late to the middle guy, right. that's where that break comes from. That's where he gets the breakaway, right? But in that system, he's supposed to go up forward, supposed to protect. Right. So that's probably on the forward. And in today's game, especially with the Canucks play, I think when those D are going forward and able to pressure like that, they're a better team. Yeah. It just It's faster. They're more physical. So I don't mind that. Obviously, you don't want to let a goal out of it. So I think it was a forward breakdown, but I like the aggressiveness. I like the physicality. Uh, let's go outside the Canucks locker room. We're rejoined by Canucks forward JT Miller. And JT, uh, this was a game against the Boston Bruins. They don't give you a lot on the ice. You guys were down 2 nothing, but you battled and you guys came back. What about the resiliency you guys showed tonight to battle back to win this game? Well, uh, you know, I felt obviously nice uh, the way things have been going for us lately. But, 
you know, we've been playing for the most part. You know, we feel good about our game, you know, just because we're not getting the results and the goals are harder to come by right now. I'm just really proud of the way we stuck with it. You know, right now is a good time for us to easily could have rolled over, but we stuck with it, and we all played them from start to finish in my, in my mind today. Got stronger throughout the course of the game. Just how difficult is that with, you know, the challenging amount of games you guys had here post-All-Star break? Well, that's part of our job. We're not using the amount of games as an excuse. Every single team does this. They're playing three and four on the road. Um, you know, we've made this a hard building to play in, and, uh, you know, it feels good to beat Boston every time. Well, and the way you guys in the third especially, what was it kind of the mindset change a little bit in terms of getting more shots on goal and crashing that a bit more? No, we didn't want to change the mindset. We knew we were out playing them. Uh, if we stayed the way, you know, keep doing what we've been doing, we had a complete faith that it was going to start turning, you know, hopefully get a bounce and get one in the back of the net. You know, Sway played unbelievable tonight, so it felt good to get a couple to, to get past them. But to be honest with you, it took some screens and some nice plays to, to get there. Um, and that was a really ballsy win for the group, I think. Uh, especially for what happened in Boston a couple of weeks ago, just revenge factor, whatever it is. How, 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 nice, it is, how nice is it to get this one? It's just nice, you know. It's a timely, it's a timely little comeback for us. It, it, just the way that this, you know, the, we didn't want this to go any farther than it did. Um, we play too many games against too many good teams to worry about revenge, in my opinion. Um, you know, I just think we we needed to come out and play a Canucks hockey type of game, and I really think we did for 60 minutes tonight, and we should feel good about it. Uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on uh, one of your newer teammates, Elias Lindholm. Obviously, played on a different line with Garland tonight, but it just seems his his positional IQ, his back checking ability, just how smart he is. How how much of an addition has he been, and how much of a difference does a player like that make in a game like this? Well, he's you know he's been a really good player, 200 feet in the league since he came in. I used to play against him a lot in the East when we were younger. Um, we're you know we've been in the league around the same amount of games, and um, really hard to play against. You know, doesn't make many mistakes, and might not be the flashiest sometimes, but it seems like when there is a breakdown, he's got enough skill to hurt you too. You know, he's kind of got it all. He's a, gives our team a lot more depth. Uh, we're getting a lot of texts from fans about Brock Besser and 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 that take on the goal. The, like the first one takes it off the backhand just just talk about how, how, how clever and how, how quick he is at times uh, getting shots off yeah that's where he scores his goals you know he makes a living there and uh he goes to the paint all the time um you know he's been a big part of our team all year he's starting to play well again for us and um you know he's just going to get better i think he's got uh you know not necessarily another gear but you know i think he'd tell you the same thing is you know when he's moving his feet he's really really effective and you know he was really good for us tonight uh, before we let you go, the building was absolutely buzzing tonight, especially when Besser scored to make it 2-1. What's it like when you guys are playing the way you are this season and then the building's lighting up the way it is? Uh, I mean, this is why you play, right? I mean, not for February, but uh, <laughs> for, the, for the games to get going into March and April and then you want to play in the playoffs, right? This is what you dream of. And, you know, you know, at some point in my life, you know, something clicked and you just all you think about is playing, in, you know, into the spring. And it's the best feeling in the world, and this team is uh, – I think tonight shows reasons why hopefully we can make it there. Hey, JT, thanks for your time as always. Uh, best of luck uh, the rest of the season. Thanks, guys. Uh, that is JT Miller helping the Canucks win 3-2, a big comeback overtime victory over the Boston Bruins. And uh, before I let you go here, they they win tonight, Brett, snap a four-game losing streak. What does a game like this do to a group when you've lost a few, you're through you know, some adversity, you come back to win? How much of a charge is that for a team? Yeah, I think it's a reinforcement in in everything the coaching staff's talking about and the efforts they're putting in and whatever extra, you know, that needs to get them over the hump, whether it's the gym or whatever it is. I think it's just reinforcement that what they're doing works and that they can beat the the best teams in the league. And you heard Miller say or talk about kind of spring hockey and that feeling and getting those type of wins heading into the spring, heading into playoffs – is huge for momentum and your mindset 
and, and something they can carry forward. Brett, great stuff calling the game alongside Brendan Batchelor. A, a fun one tonight, as always fun against the Bruins. Great atmosphere, and we're looking forward to having a fun post-game show. We look forward to chatting with you again very soon. Yeah, thanks. Appreciate it, guys. That's Brett Fesseling, fantastic on the call alongside Brendan Batchelor. Keep your thoughts coming in to our Dunbar Lumber Text Inbox, 650-650. You can also grab a phone line, 604-280-0650, or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. Canucks win 3-2 over the Boston Bruins. Two goals from Brock Besser, one goal from Philip Hronik, three points for J.T. Miller. What a night for the Canucks as they win at Rogers Arena. You're listening to the Canucks Central Post Game Show presented by the number 5 Orange of Vancouver legend. They've got sports too. More coming up next on Home Your Canucks. Sportsnet 650. Catch up on what happened in Vancouver sports with Halford and Bruff in the morning. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is where you talk Canucks. You're listening to the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Elias Patterson to the Boston line on left wing. Drops to JT Miller, trying to rink wide pass, bounced off coil, but comes to Besser right wing. He rims it around the zone to Miller on the left wing wall. Now back to Hughes with room. Top of the point to Miller. Left circle, shoots, tip, they score! Brock Besser! The Canucks come all the way back against the top team in the East. Three unanswered goals, two of them off the stick of Brock Besser. And Vancouver wins it 3-2 tonight at Rogers Arena. Gutsy effort by the Canucks. Miller knew exactly where he was going with it before he got it. Puts it back door to Besser. This game lived up to the hype. Great job by the Canucks to stick with it, battle back and eventually get that power play goal in OT to take the win. A resilient performance by the Vancouver Canucks. Come back 3-2 in overtime against the Boston Bruins. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show presented by the number 5 Orange. And the call you heard coming in, game-winning goal, is your play of the game. And you shouldn't be surprised. Canucks get a second power play in overtime. Too many men on the ice on the Boston Bruins. And um, I honestly wasn't even sure the Canucks were going to get another uh, penalty called in uh, in their favor because it was 4-1 at that point. And in the third, uh, Coyle gets a stick on JT Miller as he's skating through into the Bruins zone. And maybe a bit soft, but the the stick sticks to JT and he drops it and it's on JT. They don't call him. I go, oh, they're not calling anything the rest of this game. But the Canucks do get the break in overtime, finally get on the power play again, and they make them pay back. And it's as we were talking about with Didn't Brett need power earlier. plays for the comeback. No, uh, didn't need it for the comeback. We needed it, needed it for the victory, and they got it. And, you know, we mentioned how JT being on the half walls where you want to see him the left half wall again. And the coach, you know, talked about how, hey, when how teams are playing diamond formation, it really takes away that opportunity, and it's not really opening things up for us. It's a different story, four on three. And you just saw what JT does best, and Brock, of course, being there for the tip-in. Yeah, a bit different when it's three PKers, obviously. Yeah. And it's it's funny, too, because like, we get the text all the time. We can't read every single text that goes like, oh, put JT Miller on that spot. We read a bunch of them. But a lot of people text it, and then the first time they go back to it, they score. So those texts and those calls for people that want to see that are not going to quiet down in any which way. And you mentioned, hey, JT, you know, he skated miles tonight. Yeah. Quite literally, he was the, as far as Canucks forwards, he skated the most. He covered the most distance. It, it was an immense game from JT Miller. He was just fantastic. Ends up getting three assists tonight. Um, and, and even from, like, the first shift of the game, he was on it. Yeah. He, 
gets out there and they're against the coil line and he throws a hit against Marshan. He throws a hit against uh, Grizzlick on the end boards. We talked about the PK. He throws a hit on Marshan as well. And early in the game, he created one of the better chances for the Canucks. Uh, he got to a loose puck near the goal line by the Bruins, making a great backhand pay a pass into the middle to Mikheyev. And it was a good stick check by the Bruins defender to take that pass away. But that was a great A chance he just about set up. So JT was doing just about everything tonight. He comes through with the three assists and the helper on the game-winning goal in overtime. A lot of reaction, Vic, on our Dunbar Lumber text inbox. 65650. We are going to go to the phone lines coming up in just a moment as well. 604 280 0650. This one here says, Love the attitude JT played with tonight. He's got that juice, is what this one text message says. And uh, JT just called it a ballsy win. Uh, that is comedic gold. Hilarious. Yeah. Well, coming off the B A L L S. Yes. Uh... Maybe he knew. Maybe he knew. Maybe he knew something was up. Something was up. Uh, this one says from Nolan and Port Moody, great comeback. You just felt the energy rising in the third. Unfortunately, number 40 was virtually invisible again today. No impact whatsoever. <sighs> but honestly, I, 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 I see those texts coming in. Okay, hang on. If beating the Boston Bruins in a third period multi-goal comeback isn't good enough for you and you can't relish in that and your immediate focus goes, ah, oh, Elias Pettersson, I don't know. Like, What is good enough for you then? What, him scoring a goal. No, no, but it's, it's not even just about Pedersen. Like, your favorite team just beat arguably your the, the team you want to see lose the most. Well, he did In say, a great, perform- he said great performance by the team. But if your mind still goes to, oh, Pedersen, I don't know. It's like, I, 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 I don't know if anything's going to be good enough for you. Like, what a fantastic performance. Elias Pedersen is, like, so far removed from the conversation of this game. You, you can talk about JT Miller. You can talk about Brock Besser. You can talk about Zadorov, Miller. All these guys who had fantastic games. It's just like, oh, but Pedersen did help in the comeback. Well, I actually, really? thought, I actually thought Hoaglander, Pedersen, and Mikheyev were really good tonight. Overall, they created some scoring yeah. chances. They were good defensively. Pedersen picked up an assist tonight. I know people talk about him not scoring, getting points. He picked up an assist tonight. was a plus one on the evening. And their line, I thought the Canucks, I mean, they had here, looking at some of the scoring chance differentials, they had three high-danger scoring chances, 4-0-4. And in terms of him being invisible, I don't agree at all. I mean, he made a great play in the second period where he set up Mikheyev for a chance. He didn't get the shot through where he kind of stick-handled through a couple guys. And a chance he set up Zadorov for um, in the second, I believe it was, or in the, uh, where he sets him up as a trailer and Zadorov uh, shoots a right-off mm. swim and makes a save. I mean, that created a grade-A scoring opportunity. Plus, defensively, I thought he was very solid. That line, uh, Il- Il- Ilya Mikheyev, Elias Patterson, and Niels Hoaglander controlled 70% of the shots. So, I don't know. He played well defensively, got a point tonight. The Canucks won. Uh, I think it's just reaching to be critical right just now. Just revel in the glory of the fact that like your favorite team had a, an awesome comeback against the team you probably despise the most. Enjoy it. That's all. No, I, if, I, if, I, if you're again, you remember that line hand? I don't even remember. Like choosing to suck the juice out of the lemon. <laughs> it, it, it's that. Enjoy the win. Well, I mean, to be fair, the texture did enjoy the win. Just said, you know, made a comment on Pedersen. That's all. Sea uh, Leg says this is a great way to bump the slump. Anybody else cheering for the Flames now? Got my new engine started, steering done. Canucks beat the Bruins. That's Sea Legs texting in, and this text says the reaction on the bench after the win shows how important it was mm. to the players. Uh, on the ice for the Vancouver Canucks tonight. All right, uh, we'll get to more of your attacks coming up in a few moments, but let's go to the phone board. 604-280-0650 or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. Let's go to Ryan in Richmond. Ryan, thanks for calling in. What are your thoughts here tonight? 
Hey, boys. Uh, thanks for having me on here. Uh, great show, as always. I, uh, in regards to sucking a lemon with some of those uh, texters on Pedersen, that might sweeten them up a bit. But uh, <laughs> anyways, um, I was just watching the game with, uh, with um, Prince George Sports Talk uh, legend of 2004-05, my buddy Russ in uh, southeast Richmond here. And uh, it's, it's not going to be bumping at pubs and uh in that part of town at four or five p.m on a on a regular weekend and it, man it's just everywhere just seems to have a buzz that has games on right now i mean the tom manic uh angle to it the business owners must just be loving this because i know um we definitely stayed and got a couple uh extras and i i think other people do that as well especially when you go into ot and Man, it's uh, it's just nice for for it to be relevant for the city again. You know, absolutely. Hey, thanks for the phone call, Ryan. And I mean, you you get the buzz around the city now too. It's going to really build as we get to the playoffs as well. And I, you know, I was talking to Reach about this before the game, and you know, today's game is at four p.m. Do you think if the Canucks were coming off a good year, this game would have been played at four during the Leafs game? At the same time, probably not. Mm-hmm. I think this is probably a different start time. I think next year, because the Canucks have had this good year, they're going to be featured a lot more in marquee spots. Because when this market really gets engaged in believing in this team, it's an absolute monster. I mean, uh, their games aren't too far away from what the Leafs can draw regionally when they're winning, and that tells you quite a bit about uh, how engaged BC is, especially the Lower Mainland when this Canucks team gets going. And we're starting to get that buzz build back up again, and it's going to be a completely next level. And and he's right, the spinoff effects. The businesses mm-hmm. are going to have it. I mean, it's great for our industry. Like, Believe it or not, you know how fans sometimes say, oh, media is negative. You guys just want the team to be bad. Trust me, nothing helps us more than a successful hockey team. It's more jobs, more opportunities. Um, the business flourishes a lot more. So I think Ryan makes a great point. When the Canucks win and the fan base really gets behind it, and yeah, even Fairweather fans jumping on board, it does change the complexion. It creates a lot of buzz around the city. If you were in the building, you could feel the tension. You can feel the animosity. You can feel the back and forth. You can feel just the excitement. And, and you know, that first goal goes in, and it just engulfed everything. And, and, and the crowd's buzzing. You can't have a game like this where you bring the green men back and you no-show. <laughs> Everybody showed up. Green men are in the house. Canucks win. It was a good one. Yeah, it really was. Uh, it was a fantastic performance here by the home team and their comeback victory. Uh, let's continue on the phone boards. Let's go to Calgary, where we have Braden on the line. Braden, thanks for calling in. What are your thoughts tonight? How's it going tonight, boys? Good, buddy. Good, good. Hey, you know, first I want to start off by saying it was good to see a win, especially against the Boston Bruins. Uh, watched game with my six-year-old. He's been pretty upset the last four days, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> oh, that's tough especially with the rest of the family being Flames fans and have nothing to boast about the last four games. But <laughs> uh, moving forward here, you know, I think this was probably one of the best games we've seen from the defensive core, uh, at least in the last four games. And uh, I like the Miller and Besser play tonight. Um, I know you guys are going to chew me up and probably the entire city of Vancouver is going to chew me up here. But can we talk about Pedersen for two minutes here? I love the guy. I love his play. He is extremely good on that offensive side of the ice. But I just feel like his defensive play has not been there lately. And I don't know what's going on with him. This is a guy that the contract talks are sitting around $11, $12 million. But for me, you got to be a every single night two-way player for those kind of numbers. 
You know what I mean? Like, am I making sense here, or is it just uh, no? I I, I, I understand. Ice? I understand what you're saying, Braden. The, the only thing was, I thought he was good defensively tonight, though. Did you have any problems with his defense? Yeah, play? absolutely. Yep. Yep, definitely. Um, I just I've noticed a lot more. Um, one of the most frustrating things to see with him is he's such a good player, but when he loses those puck battles where he gives a bad pass or something, and the other team starts going down around two on one, instead of jumping in there, he's throwing his head back and almost pouting on the ice before he gets his feet moving. You know, that's not a $12 million player in my eyes. And I'd love to see him get that kind of money because his points his points show that. But you just need to pay, play that strong two-way game every single night. And, I, you know, it's easy for me to say being the guy drinking a beer watching it on TV. You know what I mean? But, yeah, uh, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm out to lunch here and hopefully the Vancouver fans don't, don't attack me too much here. But uh, that's kind of hey. just my take on it lately. Right. Hey, all good, Braden. Appreciate your call in. Uh, stay strong amongst those Flame fans uh, and, and and with your son as well. Hey, listen, I know Bick's like seething, sitting there, shaking no, his look. head. But no, no, I'll say this. it's I do think Braden touches on the right thing. Tonight, yeah. I, I thought, again, Jake Pedersen was good. If you're criticizing anything about Pedersen, it's been his two-way game over the past few weeks. has not been at the level that you're used to seeing. However, tonight, you saw a lot of that again. To me, the reason we believe, and I'm putting you into this unless you have any objections, he's worth the contract you would give him if he does indeed intend to sign in Vancouver, that he'll be worth it because he's going to grow into it again. Like We know what he's capable of. Mm-hmm. We know what type of player he is. Has he been perfect this season? No. But I do think if our concern is about his two-way game, I'm not concerned about that because we know the track record is he can excel in that type of game. I just, like, you, you couldn't have had a more, a more fun outcome to this game. But, like, it's not that we're avoiding the conversation, right? Like, I'm more than happy to have the conversation with Pedersen this, Pedersen this. I think it's great banter, right? Like, some people just have different ideas and opinions on it. So let, let's, let's be here to discuss it. And we're more than happy to discuss it as we've done so. And we've defended it and people don't like it. And people say he's not this, he's not that, which is fine. You just beat the Boston Bruins. You just lost to them for nothing. The, the, this is like an epic comeback win. And if your immediate go-to is, Oh, Patterson, I, I don't know. Like, what is going to be good enough for you? Like I said, that's I, I just don't I don't understand that mindset. And I, I said something of like, oh, he's so far removed from the story of this game. That wasn't about that he was bad. It was more about it's a, this story is an epic, be... awesome win. And he was part of the team game that came back yes. to win this. So, I mean, I'm with you on it. Okay, let's take one more phone call before we hit the break and get back more of your text messages. Plus, we'll hear from head coach Rick talking as soon as that audio becomes available to us. Uh, let's go to New West where we have Sean on the line. Sean, thanks for calling in. Uh, what do you have for us tonight? Thanks for taking my call, boys. Big, big win. Obviously, some of them needed I mean, If you look at the underlying numbers, the Canucks were the better team tonight. They deserved the, the win tonight. Boston Boston had that fluky goal behind, and uh, really they had nothing in that game, really, when you think about it. And their coach even alluded to it, if you watch the Bruins broadcast tonight, actually, on Nesson. He alluded to Baker being the better team and the desperate team. And uh, if you look at the game, the Canucks, they, Boston was kind of lucky to be up 2 nothing in that game. Um, and Swayman really is the reason why it was 2 nothing. Let's be honest, right? Um, as far as uh, EP, EP40, like I said before, I've called him many times. He's a game-breaker, and uh guy has 74 points. And uh, you know what? Like, he's going to get going. We know he's going to get going. And uh, all these fans are being haters and stuff. I mean, I get some of it, but honestly, I wasn't concerned at all. And uh, you know what? Who, what do these fans want? Would they have wanted uh, Casey Middlestat or uh, Elias Anderson in that draft? 
or uh, you know one of those guys, basically Gabe Lardy. You think those guys would be producing like Pedersen has? It'd be like you know the Cleveland Browns in 2012 <laughs> taking Brandon Whedon and instead passing on Russell Wilson. Taking Brandon Williams, I mean, I'm sure Browns fans, uh, I don't know any Browns fans, but oh, that's, that's right. Um, I'm sure he regrets that. He, I'm sure he hopes that they had Russell Wilson. So what I'm saying is, at the end of the day, Canucks are fine. Enjoy the win tonight, first overall, and let's move on to Pittsburgh and have a good night. Bye. Hey, hey great stuff, uh, Sean. And I'm just like sitting here saying, well, why am I catching this? What did I do? It's like that 50 cent mean? It's like I was just sitting here. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean. That's right. <laughs> Yes, I'm a, a bit rattled. Yes, Brandon Whedon and Russell. I mean, now, Whedon was a first-round pick. Should have not, not taken. Russell Wilson was like a third-round pick, though. Anyways, anyways. <laughs> pick 71? Uh, yeah, he was a bit later. Uh, out of Wisconsin. Okay. Uh, as far as, I think, you know, how Pedersen played, the conversation around Pedersen, it comes down to the money, I think, more than anything else. And today, Elliot Friedman and Hockey Night in Canada, people are texting in about it. Elliot had a bomb. What Elliot said on Hockey Night in Canada was uh, teams that called about Pedersen because he hasn't been signed yet, and the Canucks have told them that they intend to sign him. You know, it's you know, that's what it was. Teams are doing their job and calling yeah. around. And the Canucks, what are they saying? We're, we intend to sign Elias Pettersson. So that was the update uh, that uh, Elliot Friedman had on the Elias Pettersson situation. So I know it ultimately comes down to money. All right, keep your thoughts coming in. Come back to our Dunbar Lumber text inbox. What do you have, Big? You want to do one more before we get out? Yeah, this one says, can we talk about Miller? He's scored or assisted on nine of the last 13 goals. That's he's Mark been, from Victoria. He's been incredible. He's been fantastic. Like, I think JT Miller, the last little bit, has been an absolute monster of this team. He's been really willing them to, like, willing them forward in games, even if they haven't won the past four. He clips the 50 assist mark. Um, again, well on his way to another career season. Might actually get to 100 points this time. Stuck at 99 last time. Uh, so he's certainly well on his way. And, and yeah, just a huge night from JT. Ends up taking uh, five shot attempts, four on net, eight hits, one block shot, 13 face-off wins for 68%. Yeah, an incredible performance. All right, keep your thoughts coming in. On 20 in. minutes and 26 seconds. Sorry. Not sorry. bad. I think that's pretty good. All right, keep your thoughts coming into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. We'll take more of your phone calls as well. Plus, we'll hear from Canucks head coach Rick Tockett after a 3-2 overtime victory over the Boston Bruins here at Rogers Arena. The Canucks coming back from being down two goals against one of the stingier teams in the league. Impressive, impressive comeback victory. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show presented by the number 5 Orange. So the game is over, but is your night really done? The number five is open. More coming up next on the Home of Your Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Catch up on what happened in Vancouver sports with Halford and Bruff in the morning. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Join the discussion on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Patterson, right point for Hironic. Left side, Quinn Hughes. Drops it back to Patterson, covering of the line. Now to Hironic, right wing side. Down the far wall for G.T. Miller. Miller on the half boards. Hironic, top of the point. Long shot, he scores! Philip Hironic with a drive from the line. Ties the game for the Canucks with 1-11 left in the third. It's his fifth of the season, and it's 2 Two in downtown Vancouver. No, we didn't want to change the mindset. We knew we were out playing them. Uh, if we stayed the way, that would, you know, keep doing what we've been doing, we had a complete faith that it was going to start turning, you know, hopefully get a bounce and get one in the back of the net. You know, Sway played unbelievable tonight, so it felt good to get a couple to, to get past them. But to be honest with you, it took some screens and some nice plays to, to get there. Um, and that was a really ballsy win for the group, I think. 
JT Miller post game after a 3-2 Canucks overtime victory. Three assists for him on the evening. Two goals for Brock Besser and also Philip Hironik tying it late in the third to send this game to overtime. The Canucks had the goaltender pulled. A water performance by the team and a great comeback. And this is the Canucks Central post game show presented by the number five orange on the home of your Canucks Sportsnet 650. It's Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. Keep your thoughts coming in to our Dunbar Lumber text inbox 650-650. You can also grab a phone line 604-280-0650 or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. And uh, we, we have a lot of reaction here, 650-650 on the Dunbar Lumber text inbox. Uh, this one here for Ryan and Tawasin. Bick, just deal with it. When the Canucks win the Stanley Cup, Canuck fans will criticize the parade route. So. No. <laughs> I, as I replied to Ryan, I refuse to deal with it. We are going to fix this, me and Ryan, one, one texter, one listener at a time. If you can't enjoy this win for more than 20 minutes, then... It's not negative media, man. It's not <laughs> negative media. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right. Uh, keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox, 650-650. We'll hit more of it as the show goes on here. But it's time to hear from the Canucks head coach, Rick Tockett, after a 3-2 overtime win against the Bruins here at Rogers Arena. And here he is. Rick, we've talked about the resilience of your group uh, all season long. Was it on display in this one tonight and the way you guys stuck with it? I think you should go home to your baby right now. <laughs> Congratulations, buddy. Um yeah, no, it was a it was a hell of an effort. I mean, you know, kind of went after the guys the last couple of days. Um, and to be honest, all year they've uh, been a resilient group, you know. And uh, you know, obviously, Millsy willed our, willed the the game. His third period was incredible. But uh, you know, I liked the, I liked our resolve. Even if it was two nothing. Our bench was pretty calm. I, I mean, in a sense that we weren't panicking. I like that we weren't all in. You know, if they score the next goal, maybe it's over. So I I like the bench. The way they were, I didn't. I didn't, honestly, I didn't do much tonight. They, the, those guys, did a hell of a job. How hard is it to stay patient in a game like that, yeah. where you're down going to the third? And how far has this group come in that regard? Well, it's hard because sometimes you know you, you press so hard, somebody gets a two on one or three on one, the game's over. So I thought we really did a good job of backing up when we did aggressive. Um, we had a great possession time. Um, and then you know some of the concepts we talked about after the second offensively, they were they were working for us. Had a bunch of shots we missed, but uh, we got some really good looks in the third. You, you've been challenging your stars a lot lately to see them lead the way in the third period. I mean, as a coach, that must be pretty Yeah, I mean, I mean, Millsy's last three, four games has been pretty strong. I mean, he's he's been he's been pretty, you know, he's he, he, I think he will this game today. Um, obviously, best getting the two goals. Hopefully that loosens him up. You know, I like Lindholm's uh, game today. Good to him for 200-foot game today. I thought he was really good. You know, PD's line had some good moments, too. I thought uh, one of Makai's better games, you know, Hoggy was uh, the fortune. I, honestly, even the fourth line when I had him out there, I thought they were doing so. I, actually, I don't mind the way I, we had to construct it with a four-center tonight. It was kind of – I thought some guys had more juice. You threw a lot of ice time at Quinn and, you know, basically spent the whole game in the offensive zone. What about what you got from him tonight? Yeah, you know, he's uh, – Anytime he gets on the puck on the blue line, he's he's, he's going to make something happen. So um, the one thing with Husey, uh Huggy is that he's got he's got good lungs. He can he can, you can play him that, but we got to be careful too. I mean, you can't overplay him. But uh, yeah, he was good. You know, if you've lost four in a row, you'd probably take a sleepy win over anybody at that point. Right. But is there a benefit, either emotionally, mentally, to do it against the opponent you did it and the way you did it tonight? Well, the, what I like about it is it's two nothing. Maybe the last three, four games, we've 
the bench would have been a little different, antsy, a little bit of frustration. Uh, I didn't, you know, slamming sticks and stuff like that. I didn't see that tonight. You know, it, there wasn't frustration tonight, even though we were down to nothing. Maybe that's the, now, now we're trying to graduate, you know, to that, not that frustration, you know. Um, you know, that don't get mad at the refs. Those are the little things that you can't do in playoff time, right? And so, we, you know, we got to start to figure that out now. And I thought tonight was a really good game for us to, to not get all those little things, you know, the frustration, all that stuff. So I thought that was big for us tonight. I, I, I'm telling you, the bench was great. And uh, I don't know how many shots Lindholm finished with. I think he had five yeah. through two periods. He seemed to play maybe his best game other than when he got <clears throat> the two goals. Uh, do you think if you can do it, ideally Miller, Pedersen, Lindholm on different lines at center? Yeah, I like it. And I like Teddy. I thought Teddy bounced that fourth line out. Like, I thought he was good too. Um you know, as long as you know, you, you, we got to spread the wingers out. And I thought Gars helped Lindy. You know, I thought Gars chased some pucks down. Um, so we'll see how we'll see how it pans out. And at the odd time, you know, you, you load up a line every every once in a while. But I think for now, having those four centermen is pretty strong. I think. Um, you guys played very physical tonight. So how important was that physicality to the end result of the game? Well, I think after Seattle, I think guys wanted to play more physical because, you know, we didn't really play a physical game there. So um, it's nice to see that guys get rewarded by playing physical, you know. And based off the end stats, Miller had eight hits. Yeah. So, you know, you talked about kind of his leadership going in. So what does that do when, you know, a star player on the team is also throwing, being physical and leading the team in hits uh, to the rest of the group? Well, I mean, you know, you obviously – it's huge, you know, when you see him hitting, everybody wants to hit. Um, but even, um, I just thought his will tonight was strong, and I, I, I could feel a lot of guys, he was leading the way, and they were, they were following him. Um, and there was not, and like I said, he was really calm. Even when, He was one of the guys talking to the guys, hey, it's only 2 nothing." Even with like 13 or 14 minutes left, he was saying, hey, we, you know, keep doing the right thing. So that's the nice thing as a coach when you hear your leader say that. Before the tying goal, you had a timeout. Was there any message from the coaching staff in that timeout, or was that just the players? Before the goal. Before the goal. Well, we had a couple. We were talking about some looks. A couple of guys made some comments, and um, we want. You know, I wanted the the heroic one timer. I'm not saying it was because of me. Trust me, that's not why. But there was a kind of a rotation, and somehow, obviously, the one timer worked out. um, Getting fucking Millsy's hand, and maybe have PD go down. On the back door, that was the play, um, and before we even got to that, you know, obviously filled with a with a rocket scores. Um, it seemed like Nikita Zadorov had a particularly strong game, uh, especially with his confidence carrying the puck up ice. Yeah. Was that a key to kind of breaking the Bruins' forecheck? Bruins are very structured, very, very well coached. They've been doing this for ten years. As long as I know, for the last ten years, they're very. They just know how to play under pressure. If you watch them. Um, they soft lock a lot where the, they they take the middle away. So we were trying to we were trying to get the weak side defense making up in the play. That's why I thought we did a good job of adjusting a few things that Boston was doing. So you saw our D jumping up. Z Myers got there. He had a couple looks. So we, we we did come. We did get the weak side D up there against them. But it's hard to you know they they're they're a good hockey team. They're just um, even though you, you know I felt. I don't want to say the word dominate. We had a lot of, lot of possession time against that team. They're comfortable in their own skin, even when 
you have the puck. They don't get, they don't run around, and that's the that's the pedigree they have, and um, that's the stuff we strive for. You know, just uh, so what the other team has a puck a lot. Can you just stay in your system? And they, you know, that's the way they. That's their pedigree. Rick, you had a lot of zone time yeah. throughout the game, but the last ten minutes it seemed like more of the traffic stuff that's kind of been key for you all season. What changed in your view, or was that a point of emphasis from your end on the bench? Yeah, if I have, listen, if I have one thing that we got to get better at is we have to get, it's it's more level traffic. It's not just having two guys in front. I think we got to, we, we got to, something that we're, we're learning and uh, we're going to probably work on a lot more when we get practice time is it's more level traffic. Um, it seems like sometimes we get a shot. We have one guy in front, but the two guys are in the in the high slot, um, and we got to f- figure a way getting another guy going downhill. Um, I thought that the, the like you said, the third, mostly the second half of the third, we got more of that downhill traffic. We we had that's playoff hockey. You got to get to the paint. Um, and I thought the last four or five games we were okay in the paint, and tonight we were better, obviously, as the game went on. So. Um, it's hard work, though, but you got to do it. When they take that 2 nothing lead, and yeah. it's a play that, if you watch it on video, you'll probably like a bunch of the defensive work from your team, but it, it's a bouncer into yeah. the back of your net. Um, yeah. In that moment, does it feel like it could be one of those nights? Uh, how do you think the bench reacted to a, to a bad break like that? Yeah, like I said, you know, maybe last week or a few games ago, <laughs> Would have been a different, but I, you know, we we talked about it yesterday about our resolve. Um, that's what I love about this group. They took the whatever the criticism or whatever you want to say from the coaches, but the, the bench was uh, terrific. One of the, it's one of the best I've seen in the, this last two three weeks. The calmness. There wasn't a lot of frustration. I thought even after that goal. Hey, that's a was it? Not, did it go off Cole's toe or something? Did it? Did it? Oh, it went off. Okay, but it's an unfortunate play. You know. That is Canucks head coach Rick Tockett after a 3-2 victory over the Boston Bruins. And uh, I almost blanked out after he went at uh, (laughs) Brendan Baxter right off the top. Shouldn't you be home taking care of your newborn baby? He was just kidding. Uh, Batch asking the first question off the hop. But that was fantastic uh, by the head coach. But obviously, he was very pleased with how they played. To be honest, we should have stopped it after he said, I didn't do much tonight. It's like, all right, so I don't need to hear your thoughts. He was was very effusive with his praise for the players. Yeah, he he really was. I mean, you know, they really stuck with it. It was interesting. We spoke to JT right after the game, and I asked them, did you guys change your mindset at all in the third? And he's like, no, we kept with it. And then he mentioned that they got to the net more. And it wasn't like they weren't doing, like we mentioned throughout the game, it wasn't like they weren't working hard or playing relatively well five on five, but they were losing in the tough areas. The Bruins in the first two yeah. periods were, were coming away with pucks more. The Canucks were second to pucks a lot. They weren't really getting screens in front of Swayman. Swayman was seeing everything yeah, in the first two just periods. crisp and fast. Yeah. And suddenly in the third, especially at about like the the five uh, five minutes into the period, it really started to pick yeah. up. And then you start, then they started playing quicker, and the puck was whipping around and. They open up all these opportunities. Like, even before the, the, the goal goes in, right? Like, Mikheyev has two uh, net front chances. Miller uncorks that huge loose yeah. puck uh, shot. That, great that wave of gloves, yeah. right? Bluger has two chances after the goal, uh, the, the Brock Besser goal. And it just it started to mm-hmm. mount. And the, the, the thing, the reason I push back on the story, on the idea of, like, oh, Pedersen, you just heard it there from the end of Rick Talkett. It's like, 
he keeps giving these players praise that they stayed calm in this big moment. In a big game against a big team, it's a comeback, their first two-goal, third-period comeback of the season. It, it, it's a big result, and, and the players deserve a lot of credit for it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think the way the players responded tonight, and he mentioned how JT stayed calm. Now we talk about JT, how he's mm-hmm. fiery. Well, it was interesting that the coach mentioned he was really calm and reinforced things, but his play on the ice was full of fire. And, and I think that's a notable thing here about yeah. JT. As he's still maturing, I know he's 31 years old, but he mentions how he has to reel himself in. I think that says quite a bit. He played with a lot of fire on the ice, but still stayed calm on the bench as well. And I think that shows maybe some growth with him. We'll talk about it on the other side, but we've always said, right, it, it's fine to have the emotions, right? It's fine to be fiery. You have to channel it in a way where it winds up being positive. Yeah. You can understand people wearing their emotions on their sleeve. I do it. I'm very fiery myself. That's probably why I defended a lot of times with JT. But it has to trend towards the team having success. And tonight, three assists. Like, that's how you do it. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, we'll get to more of your thoughts coming up on the other side right here on the Canucks Central Post Game Show presented by the number 5 Orange on Sportsnet 650. Rick, we've talked about the resilience of your group uh, all season long. Was it on display in this one tonight and the way you guys stuck with it? I think you should go home to your baby right now. Congratulations, buddy. The most opinionated Canucks show out there. Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drans. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is where you talk Canucks. You're listening to the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the official home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. He and Juleson are out on the ice as the Canucks win the draw. Zadorov in front to Besser. He scores! Nikita Zadorov with the setup, and Brock Besser with the finish. He's got his team leading 32nd of the season, and the Canucks are on the board. It's 2-1. to one. We got a set play here. Besser skates as fast as he can through that faceoff dot to get to the opposite side one-timer. It's one back to Zadorov, and he slides it through the crowd. Besser actually takes it on his backhand, pulls it forehand, and then goes up over Swayman's blocker. Great shot. Way to get it off when it went to his backhand. Nice play by the Canucks. Canucks come back to win 3-2 over the Boston Bruins, and this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show presented by the number 5 Orange on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. Uh, keep your thoughts coming into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650, um, and we'll get to your comments coming up in a second. You can grab a phone line as well, 604-280-0650. We'll get to the phone boards coming up in a second here, Bick, but a lot of reaction on the text inbox after an impressive Canucks comeback win. Yeah, and uh, someone stat corrected me. I said uh, the first multi-goal comeback they did against Columbus. Did it against so Columbus, okay. Thank Second you for the one. text. Second one. We're, we're pro-accountability here on the show. Very much. Um, 650-650. Uh, Paul, huge comeback win. When was the last time you felt that energy in the building while the Canucks were dominating the run of play in the third? You could feel it coming. It's a statement win. The boys are back. Heronic de- redeemed himself for the earlier gaffe as well, uh, which we did chat about. Um, just more unlucky for me than anything, but... Uh, he absolutely gets the goal. A lot of credit to Nikita Zadorov coming in the inbox from the fans. 650, 650. A lot of them are unsigned texts, so I'm just going to lump them all together. Uh, and then uh, Rachel said, this felt like an awesome, gritty playoff win. Hopefully this translates into confidence for the upcoming games. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, and hopefully you'll, you'll see this extend into that game against the Pittsburgh Penguins on Tuesday, on Monday. Tuesday or Monday? 
Uh, Tuesday. Tuesday. It? It's Tuesday. Yeah, right. Not to Monday. Tuesday. They play on Tuesday. Because there's two days off. I felt like should have known that. Because yeah, I got something else going on on Monday. Anyways, yes. Uh, Tuesday. The Canucks take you on have Monday night plans. No, not mo- it's work stuff. I have to do, uh. but I won't be on the show. <laughs> Oh, right. I'm filling in for you. On yeah, Monday, you right? are. Exactly. Yeah. I thought you would know of all people. Yeah, uh, all right. Keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox. Let's take one more phone call here uh, before we take more of your thoughts and continue breaking this game down. Plus, get to Ian McIntyre. Shorter post game because, of course, the game ran so long. So let's go to Maple, Maple Ridge where we have Gary on the line. Gary, thanks for calling in. What are your thoughts? Well, I have a very interesting thought. A lot of, the, uh, a lot of your text messages have been to do with negative things about Pedersen. I've got a very positive one with him. I was watching him during the um, overtime period. He was just before the blue line, and he passed a puck in between the two benches. And I don't know if it was his intention, but the referee saw the Boston Bruins, four guys on the ice, and then... Who gets a, uh, an assist on the uh, on the overtime goal? He does. Now, I'm going to say this. I love J.T. Miller. He is a heck of a hockey player. But it takes a mind that is Pedersen that would do this not only to get a penalty, but to win a hockey game. I told the producer that I think this might be the pivotal game that might win the President's Trophy for the Vancouver Canucks. And we might, with a little bit of luck, be raising something besides the Vesna Trophy. Thanks, Gary. All right, All right Gary. Thanks for the phone call. Gary getting very hyped. Very hyped. It's still, we still got 22 games to go, playoffs to go. Get hyped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah 100%. Still a long way to go. But it is a big win for the Canucks Huge. in terms of you know where it is in the standings. Get .82 on the season, and they have 22 games remaining on the calendar. And um, and the, for them to snap out of their losing streak this way, I understand why you're excited because you look at the Canucks' remaining schedule and a lot of talk about can they beat top teams, can they beat the good teams. Uh, the Bruins are a pretty good team. I know they've been on a on a on a run that's not great, but this is not a team that often invites you back when they take a lead like this heading into the third period. And honestly, for the first forty, they were so good with their positioning. They were clearing the front of net, and, and it seemed like every single time Swayman made a save, he pat one of his mm-hmm. defensemen on, on on the pads for boxing out really well, taking away second chance opportunities, just defending really tight. They were so good on the forecheck. They were so good playing through the neutral zone, and the Canucks had to work so hard just to get through them, and they did. I mean, they did fairly well. That's but why it it's worth it. Like it great, uh, we've, we've talked about, like, oh, who do you want to see them play in the playoffs? It's like, bring on anyone. Great opponents force you to be great. And in the third period, in the last 40 minutes, the Bruins took 12 shots. Yeah. And all these things that the Bruins did well, you can sit there and say, oh, well, we're not going to do it. Or you can work through it, solve the problem, win the game. And the Canucks did that. Yeah. They, they worked their way through it. And they had to try to get a result. And they end up getting two. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's absolutely big. And sitting there with 82 points, and if you look at the teams uh, that were, that were around them, that are around them in the standings over this stretch, the Edmonton Oilers, they've been losing. You know, the Vegas Golden Knights have kind of been losing some games. So the Canucks through their four-game losing streak, which was rectified here tonight. Uh, teams haven't really been making up a lot of ground on the Canucks at top at the top of the Western Conference. The Oilers have lost two in a row, one in overtime, yeah. uh, one in regulation. They're losing right now to the Flames 3-1 uh, as the first period. 
Yes, I yeah. believe the first has ended. Yeah, end of one. it's the end of one. So nobody in the Pacific really made ground here all of a sudden, and so you 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 stabilize yourself. You get a chance to get a win on Tuesday, and you start to open up that distance all over again. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, as far as the you know President's Trophy and all that sort of stuff goes. I mean, to me, I don't even care about the President's Trophy. I like to see them first, in the, top, West. West, first yeah. in the West. Finish yeah. first in the West, and then you control uh, what you can control from that point on. Uh, Tyler texts in and says, what you're, so what you're saying is anything less than 126 points this season is a disappointment? Hashtag jokes per 60. Well, I don't think they're catching what the Bruins did last year. It was 132 points. I don't, I don't think the Canucks are getting that many this year. But uh, at this point, I mean, with 22 games remaining on, on the season, even just going 500 gets you to 102. 100, sorry, 104. Just yeah. going 500 gets you to 104. Yeah. And uh, hopefully they do better, significantly better than 500 the rest of this way. So the 135 Canucks, points last year. Like it, I just, it's, it's inconceivable. No, it does not make any sense. So they dropped what? Uh, 24, 29 points over the course of the season? Because they went 65. No, 32. It will be 164 points would be available. So they got 132. 135. So they, the 135? Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought it was 132. 135. Yeah, yeah that's 29. You're right. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, unreal. That's unreal. the last year, Bruins. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Uh, a lot of reaction on the text inbox. 650, 650. Renfrew Marco says, you can just tell JT thrives in these kinds of games. Um, awesome show, guys. I hope the Canucks start load managing number 43. Love to win. Sean from North Van. Yeah, instead of worrying about Pedersen's next contract, we should be talking about how great JT's contract is all of a sudden. What a bargain. What a bargain. And and you you probably have to make hay in these first couple of years, obviously, as as it was always documented. Be like, oh, if you're better in the first four or five years of that contract rather than the last three to two, um, but man, that looks like a steal all of a sudden. Yeah, it really does. It, when you have a game like that from JT, and really a string of games here from JT, it, it's it's been so pivotal, and we we can worry about the frustrations of what one contract can look like, but right now the one that's inked. Looks fantastic. It really does. And, you know, we, we were kind of talking at the end of the last segment about how composed he was on the bench because the coach was really lauding him for reinforcing, hey, we're only down two. We're doing good things, guys. Let's keep this going, staying positive, staying calm on the bench, but very firing determined on the ice. And I think this is a big part of him being able to channel that energy in the proper way this season. And I think that makes you such a bigger impact player. There are moments or have been moments, obviously, where that – Energy has not been channeled the right way, but is a lot less than what we saw last year. And it seems like he's been really able to generate more energy and determination through games. And when you when he plays that way, like he's an absolute force. And we saw that again tonight. Yeah, we've seen moments through the course of the year where where he has that huge, you know, physical presence where he just like whips a guy off of him. And today he was he was manipulating with passing lanes and you know winning wins a huge face off to set up the best for goals. Zadorov makes that pass, obviously. But you know, J- JT, we referenced it earlier, ends up being sixty eight percent in the draw. But situationally, needed to win that one, wins it. Lindholm situationally wins that face off uh to set up the whole heroic goal. That was massive. And then JT, you know, finding Brock Besser for the game winner. It's it's his vision, he can shoot. Like he, he does a little bit of everything, and he, even on the PK tonight was was really strong. Yeah, he really was. I mean, uh, he leveled Brad Marchand on uh, 
for that alone. Oh, he's trying to get out of his own zone, and he was maybe a bit, a bit, you know, lackadaisical with the puck, and JT just went at him and took the puck away from him. So completely engaged performance. And the coach mentioned how strong he felt the team was having the four centers mm-hmm. play center tonight and having Bluger on the fourth line. And, and he really praised Lindholm's game too. And I thought Lindholm, we were talking about this through intermission, haven't really gotten into it much. We spoke to JT about it a little bit, but I thought defensively tonight, you really saw the next level play from him. He was so good forechecking. He was so good tying up sticks defensively. Just his ability to shepherd players into areas mm-hmm. that are less dangerous, and he's so good at boxing guys out as well, but also really sneaky with his stick. Uh, he created a great chance for himself. I think it was Witherspoon he stole the puck away from in front of the net. He took the puck from him and got a good shot on, on, on Swayman. He's not a flashy player, but in terms of dirty work, having playing a good two-way brand of hockey, I thought he was really strong tonight. Yeah, and, and there were moments even early in the game where you know Zaka was trying to get to the middle of the ice with a pass or JVR yeah. trying to set someone up in the slot and who was there poking it away Lindholm and you know him and Garland uh, had a really strong game and I thought Garland as the game went along you know trying to do what he can throw in the body and you know had an impact and just breaking up play slowing the play down something that Boston's usually so good at right a loose puck they just yeah. poke it away someone else supports the play and everything just gets disjointed the Canucks you know by and large did that and you know, I, I I think the two goals were even unfortunate because the Boykvist one was almost against run a play. Yeah, I mean, the Boykvist one, it comes off the face-off, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, we talked to Brad about that play. I think it's more bad luck than anything. You can do some things differently. He mentions why he wanted to see the defenseman be aggressive and jump forward. Sometimes breaks don't go your way. Um, and I think that was a case of that more than anything on that play. Uh, for sure, six fifty, six fifty. Quickly on the Heinen goal, I, I know some people texted in. Sam said it was clear goalie interference. So it's Cole pushing Heinen in, into mm-hmm. him, anyways, uh, which sometimes you know mitigates it. But the puck clearly crosses the line before Heinen makes contact with mm-hmm. Demko, and that's ultimately why uh, the coaches decided to not uh, challenge that play. That was a play which I thought that was their worst defensive sequence of the game and unfortunately ended up with a goal back. It was it was actually started with a bad play by Myers in the offensive zone. Instead of mm-hmm. making a pass, he, he loses he, he throws a pass yeah. uh, into the boards. They take it and end up yeah, getting out of their own zone. Yeah, there was a pass to be made. There, yeah, and he but misplays it, was, it. Yeah, it just wasn't quick enough and fast enough. And it's not his fault, I'm no. saying, the goal. But, you know, from that point on, that entire sequence going back into the Canucks zone, Ian Cole kind of gets caught in no man's land a little bit, goes down on a knee to try to block a shot when he doesn't need to, and he's late coming back into the play. Myers lets two guys get behind him. They crash to the net and score. I thought that was, a, that was a clunky sequence from them, but I don't think you could have done anything in terms of challenging that play for goalie interference. No, you take a look on the iPad behind the bench, and you see it. It's The contact comes after the puck is in. Yeah. And it would have been a desperate challenge to say the least I, I don't know if they're overturning that one yeah absolutely uh a lot of text messages coming in here 656 50 please stop doing math we haven't learned our lesson yet but we i, I got it right this time you you did you did i i'm the one to get we will never stop competing <laughs> for for our arithmetic yeah uh this text here says the canucks have some fine players but jt is a straw that stirs the drink that was certainly the case here tonight uh ryan is uh he says 
this is better than watching Amadeus go Canucks go. And if you remember, Ooh, that's a deep poll. But if you're if well you played. if you were listening to the Canucks Central post game show over the years, and especially the yeah. lean years, Ryan would text in all the time. And there were times we were joking. We had to you know just joke yeah. around about things because it was so dire with the team. And uh, we we'd have movie references all the time. Certainly. And Amadeus would come up uh, often from Ryan. So for those who don't get it. That's the background for that. Dave from the Valley, anytime I'm in a funk, I'll be watching that third period in overtime for a long time. What a game by Big Z. This one felt good. And when he started it off being physical, he threw a big hit on yeah. Pasternak, uh, standing him up at the blue line early in the first. And you know, the Canucks were physical on Pasternak in that first period. Noel Juleson also hit him with a big... They were physical on everyone. They were. They, they really brought the physicality. 30 some, hits tonight. And it's something the coach also allotted them for uh, post-game during his comments. All right. Man, this, this show is moving fast. Late game tonight. Well, early game. Late finish to the game time-wise. But it's time to bring in the man we call the triple threat. You watch him on TV. You read him on digital. And you're about to hear him on radio. He is Ian McIntyre. So you're saying you don't need me. <laughs> no, we do. We're, we, we, always always need ha- we always need you to close things off for us. Don't I have a good radio voice tonight? You do. Yeah, what's going yeah. on? In Seattle, my voice—I woke so up. I'm so jealous. This is unbelievable. <laughs> I woke up, and this is how I sounded. So I don't know if it was like the room air conditioning. I have no other symptoms, this and is... I, and I tested negative. Just so you guys right. know, I have no symptoms. I'm not congested. I'm not coughing. I have no sore throat. I have no fever. People are going to be so confused. Like this isn't Ian McIntyre. Yeah. He like sounds like Wolfman. I'm Jack. sitting right next to you. Yeah. It's Ian McIntyre, and it's like a totally different voice. This yeah, is well, unbelievable. Either uh, some bug is coming, or I've got another career in country music yeah. ahead of me. Yeah. So I mean, who knew uh, that things can evolve? I went down <laughs> to the burning ring of fire. <laughs> See, sounds good. Burn, burn, burn. <laughs> the flames grew higher. Wow. Well, you might have to clip that and, and save it because your Vic, voice. Vic, are you okay? <laughs> Vic can't handle this. <laughs> it's like a whole different octave. I know, I know. It sounds great though. Oh, uh, thank I, you. I, I'm not making fun of. I'm just like I'm. I'm actually jealous. No, and, and I'm not recording your voicemail for you. So, <laughs> yeah. so don't even ask. Yeah. Next time, we'll do it next time. Uh, Speak slower. Well, I, now I'm, I'm really excited to hear you break this game down in that voice. So, so what did you think how the Canucks ended up coming back in this game uh, and, and to win in overtime? All, all wins, somehow in the NHL, all wins are worth two points. That makes no sense, but they are. Right. But we know they're not all the same. Mm-hmm. And this one feels like it's worth more than that. We'll see how they how they do against Pittsburgh and L.A. If they if they lose them both, we'll yeah. look back and say, well, it was it was a nice interruption to the crisis, <laughs> you know, the win on on Saturday. But it just feels like they checked so many boxes tonight mm-hmm. in, in the way that they had played. Uh, and you've probably played JT's comments that whether they'd won the game or not, he was he was really happy with mm-hmm. how they had played because it showed the character that they have. Uh, I think especially in uh, – I asked this to uh, – couple of players and and talk it as well and everyone concurs that the way they did it has even more benefit mm-hmm. you know if you've you know lose four in a row you'll take a win no matter what yeah and and especially against boston you'll take a win no matter what because it seems to happen so rarely yeah and, and it was the team that just shut them out for nothing uh a couple of weeks ago but to to do it the way they did, and it wasn't just that they came back from two nothing down in the third period. It's that they they stuck with their belief 
system. Mm -hmm. They didn't stray from what it was they were trying to do because they happened to be down by two goals. They didn't change anything. They just kept, you know, they kept their intensity up. They got pucks deep. They worked down low. This is by far the best the Canucks have worked a game or an opponent below the hash marks in weeks. Like even in the second period, they weren't generating a whole lot. You know, Boston is really robust in front of their net. And I was impressed by how Boston defended, yeah. even though clearly they they were the second best team for most of this game. And the Canucks weren't getting, you know, the grade A chances, but they controlled the puck so much. They worked them so much down low. I think that probably had an effect in the third mm-hmm. because the Bruins just had to defend for for such long periods, and that's hard defending down near your net. It tires everybody out, including the goalie. And so for the Canucks just to stick with it, they get the two goals, they go to overtime, they get a power play goal to win. They'd only had one of those in the last forever, it feels like. And and they beat a, a, a nemesis kind of opponent. And, and even the guys I... I you know, found this interesting, the game that I covered in Boston. Even though most, half the players on this team are Americans, mm-hmm. most of them have entered the NHL since the Canucks went to the Stanley Cup final against the Boston Bruins, but they're all aware of what the Bruins-Canucks means in this market. Mm-hmm. And you could feel that that was a big win for them mm-hmm. as well. And so it there's a lot of a lot to feel good about. There's a lot of, I think, reinforcement for the coaching staff about what they're trying to preach. There's a lot of reinforcement in the belief system about how they need to play. So, you know, it's a great night. It was a great night. Now they have to continue it. Yeah. Uh, JT was... All for him. Fantastic. Yes, he was. Uh, and, and when he's like that and, and the emotion gets channeled so positively... Uh, how, how impressed are you with him? Well, he, he has played great. He On that last road trip, I'm trying to think which game it was, uh, Washington, where they won and he really didn't have too much to do with it. Oh, no, he scored the winning goal on a giveaway right, right in the slot. But that was the first time you noticed him. And, you know, the, the room was upbeat after the game, and he said, I'm not talking. I haven't played well in a month. <laughs> and, I, you know, I said something. And then we... I just continued on doing my work. And I said to him in Seattle after the morning skate, you know how you told me you hadn't played well in a month? You're playing better now. And he says, yeah, I feel a lot better about my game now. He said, really, since that game, from the Chicago game on. And if you look back at this losing streak, he's one of the guys who has been pushing yeah. and and doing everything he can every night. I don't think anybody was good in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Um but he he is was not only still getting the points, but he was doing in some of those games what he was doing tonight, where mm-hmm. early shifts, finishing checks, setting a tone for his teammates, setting an example, make trying to make a statement. And he started that on the first shift tonight, uh, and just continued it through the whole game. Uh, he he was spectacular, and you're right. I thought over the past four games he was their most consistent player and I thought it was interesting that the coach mentioned that he stayed really calm on the bench it was when one of the guys that was reinforcing how they have to play that they felt good about where their game was at 
he seems to be channeling that a lot better, where he can stay calm on the bench, but then still be fiery and determined on the ice. And sometimes it was hard to kind of shade between the two. And if he can do those sort of things and, and kind of keep harnessing that power, I would I would say, it just makes him a far more effective hockey player. Yeah, well, he's, as we've said last year several times, he, he's like this guy with superhero powers that can <laughs> that can work towards good or evil right, depending yeah. on how yeah, on how he manages it. them, and this year he's managed them ter- terrifically. And even in games, and that Boston game in Boston was a great example. Even in games where he goes over the line, mm-hmm. in that game he took a penalty for interference, and I can't remember who it was. He he drilled somebody at the blue line in a collision, and the puck wasn't there, right. so he got an interference penalty. But that's the kind of thing, when he's going over the line now, that's what he's doing. And that's a lot better out of bounds than smashing your stick or just taking lazy penalties or, you know, making a lazy change that puts your team in trouble. And we haven't seen that uh, at all uh, this year. So I'm I'm not surprised uh, at what he has, has done because I think he knows that this was a spell the team needs him most. And it's really, yeah. it's really encouraging when you think, you know, if if they, let's say they're going to be a playoff team, they got 82 points. Yes. I think it'd be hard to miss. Yes. It's really uh, encouraging to think what he might do in a seven-game series, mm-hmm. playing the way he does, because I can guarantee you, nobody on the other team likes to play against him. He had eight hits through two periods, and then, you know, I think he was just focused on trying to generate goals uh, in the third. So a great game, great game by him. Great game by a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, and, and to the, the other part too of this game was the resiliency. I know Taka mentioned the resolve, but in the first period, like they take a too many man, Meyer takes a slash, and you could maybe in moments like that you get away from it. But the last forty minutes, they gave up twelve shots, and they were on top of everything. And and that to me is the big thing from tonight too. Is in this four game losing streak against a big opponent, and you have to work your way back. They they kept their cool. And they absolutely needed that. Yeah, well, that's what I mean about sort of reinforcing the belief system, about just not altering your game, not mm-hmm. doing anything else because it's now 2 nothing for Boston instead of 0-0 or 2 nothing for you. Just just stacking the shifts one on top of the other, mm-hmm. doing the right thing, playing direct, playing fast, being hard on the puck. I mean, how many times did they keep the puck in simply because they won a battle? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Boston couldn't get out of their zone. They couldn't get out of their zone because the Canucks were basically winning the battles along the uh, along the sideboards to turn the puck back back down. So, you know, a couple of little things that I don't think are going to get a lot of attention uh, because of how the game ended. But when it was, I believe it was two one. I don't have my notes in front of me. Demko made a rebound save on James Van Riemsdyk. Yeah. Yeah. And again, with Demko, as so often the case, it, it's not how many goals he allows, it's when he comes up with the big saves. Yeah. And that was that was a huge save that at the time I don't think got a whole lot of attention. That was actually a JT bobble, mm-hmm. I think. It, the puck got away from JT. I forget who had the first shot, but it was Van Riemsdyk on the rebound. And the other thing, Lindholm, quietly I thought, had a very strong game. He did. Working his own line and... Uh, it was on the ahead of the tying goal. He won a faceoff in the offensive offensive zone, and the Canucks moved the puck around. And eventually, 
It was Rona Kaskort. Bick, what are you laughing? At? I, I, we can't every keep it single text right now is about you. Yeah, about my voice. Yeah, it's yes. it's, it's yeah. actually really good. They're, they're uh, all compliments. Okay. They are. Uh, Johnny yeah. Cash, is that you? Uh, <laughs> like WTF is happening right now. Brandon Coquitlam, Lotso says Radio Itis. You two, as in Bick and Sat, better hope this is contagious. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I listened to him read a phone book. Is what, what yeah. this what text message says. <laughs> I would do some Ted Baxter, but uh, only people my age remember the Mary Tyler Moore show. And and to be clear, it was in reruns when I was watching it. So, Are you guys having a segment with Peter Mansbridge is what yeah. this text says. And Gary from North Burnaby. WTF, is that J.P. McConnell back on the radio? So, uh... Long man in short pants. That's how he began his basketball yes. scores. Or tall man. Tall man in short pants. <laughs> Uh, that's good. Uh, ben in Richmond just tuned in. Is this evil iMac? Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, uh, it is iMac. All right, uh, Bick, you have you have something else here? No, I'm good. You're good. I got one more uh, right. before we let you go here. You hope these are the types of games that kind of launch you right back into it. They have a game coming up in, against Pittsburgh, and their their schedule eases off in terms of games played during days because you know they only have one back to back. They have a couple of days in between. Big home stand coming up in March. But you have L.A. coming up after Pittsburgh. Then you have L.A. again. You have Vegas. You have Winnipeg. You have Colorado. You kind of hope this is a launching off point over what will be a challenging stretch against some good opponents in the next 10 games. Yeah, and, you know, they finally are seeing the the light at the end of the, the scheduling yeah. tunnel. I mean, this is this is ridiculous. And, and I know we talk about it every year, and, and every team has bizarre scheduling. I, I saw somebody... I wish I could remember who it was when I was researching. One of the, probably one of the top Western teams, because I I did a story yesterday on how everybody's struggling. It's remarkable yeah. the Canucks. You know they've they're still on top of the NHL standings even though they'd lost mm-hmm. four. And I know not on points percentage, but on points, yeah, raw points. But somebody had had just done a road trip where they did Florida, then flew three hours south, played Washington, then flew back and played. Tampa. So the Canucks aren't the only team, mm-hmm. but to have ten games in nine cities in four time zones in seventeen days, and then you come home, and you've got Boston, Pittsburgh, L.A., you know, waiting for you. That's really tough. And and then and then they go on the road again, and it's not going to be uh, easy with Vegas and L.A. and uh, Anaheim. Am I getting yeah, that right? Yeah, next trip. You have Anaheim. Two games coming up against Anaheim the next little bit. Right. And, you know, if they get through that, they get to the, the home schedule and they can rest, they can practice. We saw uh, how important that was when they had their little bit of a scuffle in November, mm-hmm. when they finally got a chance to, to both practice and take a day off here and yeah. there, the benefit that that had. So they just need to they're almost there. They're almost through this. They're 500 now since the All-Star break. Even with the four-game losing streak, they're 500 through this difficult stretch of games. If they can win you know, more than they lose, win three of the next five, so they're over 500, that would be, I don't want to say mission accomplished because nobody wants to lose four in a row. Right. But in the end, if, if that's the worst adversity they face until they get to the playoffs, I think they would take that in a, in a second, in a heartbeat. Because, you know, a lot of teams struggle a lot more than that. But again, 
let's not get ahead of ourselves. This is a big win. Everyone's happy tonight, including the players in that dressing room. But now they now they have to to validate it by bringing the same kind of performance against Pittsburgh. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it, it's pretty incredible. We have 22 games to go on the season. The Canucks are sitting there with 82 points. But we're getting to the stretch drive now. Uh, playoffs just over a month and a bit away. And uh, I can't do the fast. Jim Mora playoffs with this voice. No, you can't. You can't. Mike playoffs. And, Mike and Tuasson did text in and say, uh, if you're taking requests, I can, can IMAX sing Frosty the Snowman? <laughs> All right. I don't Mr. Say, I, I will not that. sing Christmas songs out of season. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Uh, fantastic stuff. Uh, Ian, thank you for sharing your lovely voice with us this evening. Frosty the Snowman. Was that Burl Ives who sang that? Like, I'm not quite sure, to be silver honest. Silver and gold? Silver and <laughs> gold. <laughs> it's not bad. Is that Barry McWhite? Somebody texted in. <laughs> <laughs> Gene Autry. Yeah. Uh, Barry to, White. Uh, Google here. Uh, all right. Uh, we'll have to sign off, Ian. Uh, I know you have some more work to do, so we'll let you I go f- finish your work off. And whenever it's done, uh, we look forward to reading it on sportsnet.ca. Nice being on with you guys. And Vic, I hope you get a recording of this broadcast because I hope I'm, my voice is back to normal. On I, I, I can't even like focus Jeez. right now. This is so incredible. Vic is distraught. He does not know yeah. how to react. All right. Uh, great stuff uh, on the post-game show. Uh, thanks to iMac. Thank you all for listening, participating, uh, being part of the show. It's always a pleasure. Vic uh, Nazar is in for me on Monday. Check that out. Connect Central with Dan Richo, 4 to 6. Thanks to Lena. Thanks to Eddie back at the station. And this has been the Connect Central post-game show presented by the number 5 Orange on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650.